Hello, everybody. This is the Classic Christian Rock Podcast. Uh, you can check us out at ClassicChristianRockZine, Z-I-N-E dot com. Uh, with me here today is Latin teacher and, as you know, uh, rock and metal enthusiast Steve Perkins. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great, Pastor Wildman. How are you doing? I am hanging in there. Life is changing, folks. We have a lot of things going on, and uh, I don't even need to say if you live in certain areas because we're dealing with this uh, virus um, globally right now, I believe. Um, but I just want we wanted to uh, take some time to possibly give everybody a distraction from what's going on. And our focus today is we're going to be reviewing an album together. And we are going to be reviewing um, one of Steve and my favorite artists, which is Michael Sweet of Striper. Um, back in September, he came out with an album entitled 10. Um, so uh, we're going to begin reviewing that. We're going to just talk about the album in general, as well as a few tracks. Um, so if we could start off with um, Steve, first of all, um, if you, if you, maybe both of us, starting with you, can just give our perspective of it, just the overall feel of the album itself. Um, once you heard Tin, you know, because nowadays there's a huge buildup for maybe when a CD comes out. You know, it didn't used to be that way, but now you follow, follow these guys on social media and they're like, hey, we're recording, look at this, six months it's coming out, three months, two months, and then finally there it is. Um, so what was it for you? What was your perspective um, overall when, when you were able to hear the, the whole album? So I'm going to just read you a line. Uh, I wrote a review of the album. Uh, I'll go ahead and share this. We're going to share it again at the end. Um, my uh, rock blog is theromanrocker.blogspot.com. And just in the opening paragraph, I said, this album is a monster of creative exploration and pure metal madness. And both both halves of that, I think, are, are accurate for this album. First off, creative exploration. Um, as you and I have talked, Michael Sweet has been doing a lot of really creative and out-of-the-box stuff. He's not just sticking to formula. He's not saying, hey, let's just revisit the 80s uh, and, and just have you know cleaner production. No, he's actually exploring different styles and sounds we've heard it on the last three striper albums uh, we've heard it on his collaboration with george lynch on the two sweet and lynch albums and we certainly heard it on the last two uh solo albums uh one-sided war and ten so he is just having a field day right now he seems like a kid who's just having fun at this stage and exploring new stuff and one of the ways he did that on this album was by bringing in all these guest guitarists he brought in all these guest artists um, it's pretty much somebody different on each track. And then that leaves the second half of what I said, uh, just pure metal madness. Uh, if you're a hard rock metal uh, fan, especially of uh, this, this kind of style of metal, um, you know, we're not talking necessarily doom metal or uh, death metal or something like that. But if you're a fan of this style of metal, um, it's just pure metal madness, man. It, it it just rocks hard, and I find myself coming back to the album over and over again. Yes, yeah, I, I would agree with everything you just stated. Um, I think, uh, from my perspective, it was incredible as a guitarist. I was really looking forward to it when Michael even said that when he was recording it that this is going to be a guitarist dream. And the guys that he chose and was able to, to get to play on this uh on this album were amazing shredders, um, incredible uh, players. And 
the style itself, you know, when you mentioned metal, I, I find it interesting. One of the takes that I took away from this album, if, if was, you listen to heavy metal today, um, it's different, of course, than what we had in the 80s, as you and I were kind of probably in our prime at that time, I would say. Right, right. <laughs> um, so it's different. Um, you know, we really have the growling vocals that are out there now. Um, which is what Striper um, even experimented with. Uh, bring, take, take it to the cross. Take it, take it to the cross, yeah. Yeah, yeah take, take it to the cross, and they experimented with that new style, which they did it incredible. So I would say that this is, this is not dark metal or doom metal or speed metal or growling vocal metal, but I would also say it's not the melodic metal that we had in the 80s either. No. Um, it's almost like it's kind of close to the line of being dark, but it's not quite there. Yeah, that the uh, some words that I used several times in my uh, online review was uh, hard. I used the word dark, and I used the word chugging, and <laughs> and you, you really get that hard chugging, chugging, chugging kind of kind of stuff. And again, not to the level of certainly not what we call maybe screamo, not uh, the the guttural. And I, I have to be honest, I, I don't really enjoy uh the guttural vocal um I, i'm mm -hmm. still uh in, in, in for many reasons uh, you know in the beginning was the word right and so I, for many reasons i want to hear the words uh, right. so so we, we still get that but it's just um it is definitely darker and heavier uh on some of the tracks right yeah yeah it was but it, it shows though and this is what's incredible i mean Michael's been doing the solo stuff now, I believe, since 94, and mm -hmm. that's when he came out with Michael Sweet, which, by the way, that one is a gem. That That is just a classic in my mind. Um, that is really some good old 80s classic fist-pumping rock. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that he gives us um, in that. Um, um, and so down through the years, we just hear the different things that he's done solo-wise um, as he's, uh, you know, distancing himself a bit from Striper, but not too much, like Truth, for example. Um, that was one that really um, took a different turn. And, and what, I, what I find interesting is when musicians do this, and especially in Michael's case, it shows how flexible he is and it shows how much of a talent he really does have. Um, because in the midst of all of those um, uh, um, solo albums that he came out with, one that I think kind of probably has fallen through the cracks somewhat is the album um, Him uh, that he came out with when he just uh, was a mellow album where he's singing hymns, um, showing his ability to do hymns, uh, rock, um, gospel. I mean, you name it, the guy can do it, which I think is incredible. And, it, and I think that his whole catalog shows um, all the different abilities that he has. Well, and, and that's a criminally unknown album. Uh, that album, Him. Uh, I've listened to that so many times. Um, times I've listened to it just on my way to church, uh, you know, for worship, just kind of get myself in um, in a worship frame of mind. Uh, that one, and then the album he did, Touched, uh, which is all of the love ballads yes. Yes. Uh, for his, his uh, first wife before she passed away of cancer, uh, Kyle. Uh, right. Two beautiful albums there, and you're exactly right. I think it shows his style... Uh, both um, as a musician, as an instrumental musician, and as a vocal musician, uh, his his different styles of singing. And um, the, the guy, let's just be honest, he is really talented. Yeah, yeah, incredibly. 
Um, so what would you say um, if you going going to the album 10 that we're reviewing today? Um, what would you say is your favorite track? Okay, that's tough, and I'm going to bring it down to two, and um, it, it's hard to, to okay, which, which one is which. Uh, so the second track, Lay It Down, um, that's one that has that hard, dark, chugging kind of opening. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, that track right there, the, that opening, um, the, the, the music of it, uh, his just aggressive attack, uh, just punch-in-the-face vocals, um, that's one, as soon as I hear it, even though I've heard it many times, when I hear it again, I just go, whoa, and I, my head turns, you know, <laughs> toward my phone, toward the speakers or whatever, uh, and I want to turn it up. Uh, right, so, right, so just, uh, right, so, right. so just for pure enjoyment. The other one now that is, is tied for that or may even, you know, be the number one is the final track, uh, Son of Man. I yeah. love these just unabashed anthems, um, really about Jesus Christ. And he's talking about this solo tour uh, that he's getting ready to do. Uh, and it's been postponed. It won't kick off now until the fall of the year. But he was posting online about some of the tracks he was thinking of doing. And he wants to incorporate some stuff that maybe has not been done live or has not been done live that much, either from the Striper catalog or his own catalog. And one of the songs is Passion uh, off of the um, uh, Reborn album. And that is the same kind of deal to me as Son of Man. Uh, these are just big, oh, yes. big anthems. And the way Son of Man is constructed, it's just a full-on sonic assault. And it just, to me, it just drives you right to the edge of the cliff. And you listen to the song. And the song just stops. I mean, there's no wind down, right? There's no fade out. It just drives you to the edge of the cliff, and then boom, it stops. And it is, it's just a masterpiece. Yeah, so Todd Latour and him, that their vocals are matching. That, that, that's perfect, yeah. So, so solidly throughout the whole thing. And, and what, a, what, a, what an incredible message. Um, the other one that I, I really liked was uh, Ricochet. Uh, Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns. Yeah, are doing a ricochet together, and it is an incredible sound. It's just that it to me it brought back some of that '80s uh, fist pumping type <laughs> of thing, you know. Like like one of the times I'm drive I'm driving in the car listening to this, and uh, and I'm with my kids, and I I couldn't help I just rolled the window down and just started pumping my fist. Absolutely, because um, it just it just has that has that. Uh, get up and move uh, thing with it. So, and, and yeah, I, I to, yeah, to me, it's got that seventies, eighties right in there uh, kind of feel. You mentioned Tracy guns. I think that's just a great pairing uh, on that track. And yeah, it just, it just makes you happy, man. And it's, 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 it's good lyric um, and just fun. You're right. Just to sing along with, that's a great driving song. Yeah. 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 It's great. Um, so when you when you uh, think about the album, um, are there any other tracks that you would give? Uh, you know, you mentioned the top two from your perspective. Um, any yeah. Kind of honorable mention or anything, anything well, that sticks out to you? You, I mean, you, the whole album you, does, I'm sure. Sure. No, it, it really does. I love the whole thing. Um, but uh, the two tracks with Hoekstra. Uh, you mentioned Joel Hoekstra from uh, White Snake and uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Uh, Joel's worked with Cher. 
Right. And, you know, Joel has worked with uh, Michael before. Um, I've, I want to tell you something. That's a match made in metal heaven. And these guys now, that's I think it's maybe a total of three or four tracks that they've done together. These guys need to do a full-on album together. Um, yeah. These yes. two, their styles work so great together. It seems that they uh, collaborate very well. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, coming out of the ballad uh, of Let It Be Love, you come right roaring back into another rock track with uh, the first of the two Hoekstra's uh, tracks, uh, Never Alone uh, and When Love Is Hated. And those are just awesome for me. Then again, I'm a huge Whitesnake fan. Uh, oh, yeah, so, sure. Huge, huge Whitesnake fan. And so Hoekstra brings that sound uh, that works so well for Whitesnake and, and what David Coverdale tries to do uh, in that band. He brings that to those two tracks. And for me, I, I'm just in heaven. This is a marriage between Striper and Whitesnake. I'm going, <laughs> could life get any better than this? <laughs> You know, and I, and I think the same thing, you know, Hoekstra is a tremendous guitarist. And as you, you mentioned, both of those tracks, tremendous ability to write and to play lead. Um, and one of the things I think that Michael and him have in common is that, you know, you can tell. Now, there's some great um, guitarists on this album. You have like Jeff Loomis. Um, you, you have these guys who are incredible shredders and they're known as shredders, um, where Hoekstra he could shred probably if he wanted to, but when you listen to him, he's not really shredding. He's not like an Ingve Momstein. Right, 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 you know, right. He he really puts the passion and emotion into it. Not saying that the other ones don't, of course, but that's what I I've heard Michael say over and over that he's played guitar his whole life and he never wanted to be a shredder. Um, he always wanted to play um, solos, something with something meaningful that people could remember. And I get I get that from Hoekstra as well. So I think that's where there might be a nice blend with the two of them. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so no, I'm, agree. I'm, I'm advocating for that as well. In fact, I responded to one of Michael's tweets uh, a while back saying, you know, when is uh, Michael and Hoekstra coming out or, or whatever you're going to call it? You know, the, the full album together. Uh, the two of them would be incredible. Oh, absolutely. Now, I will say, I want to throw a word in there for Shine. Um, just in terms of the lyrics, you want to talk about a positive, uplifting song. And in fact, just, just before you called uh, to set the interview here, I was just tweeting about that song. And in wow. especially uh, stuff that people are, are going through today, obviously a lot of issues and uh, challenges people are facing with the quarantine and um, access to resources and so forth. And, uh, you know, you get this song, you know, don't let them get you down. You know, there's only one of you. Uh, you've got to shine. And, and I was tweeting, you know, perhaps during this time, it's time for you to shine. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. so, so often, and again, what do you expect from a guy that follows Jesus? Um, Michael is going to pen a lyric, and it's not just goofy pie in the sky kind of uh, stuff, but it's it's meaningful. It's 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 a deep uh, yeah. lyric about you shining forth. Yeah, uh, that and you know with shine as well as all of the lyrics. I would going back up to the top, the the opening track of Better Part of Me, um, incredible guitar with Jeff Loomis. Um, but the message, uh, the, the, the maturity of Michael's writing, I think, is something that's amazing to point out here. Um, you know, that he's not, 
Yeah, he. I've even heard him joke before. That, you know, back in the '80s, it was just rock, rock, rocking for the rock, 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 rock. You know, it's just right. Say rocking a song, but you really see the maturity of what he's writing, and and you know, he's taken a lot of flack. And I, I'll, I'll take a moment here just, just to to address this for a moment. I know he's taken a lot of flack over the last several years. Uh, once he came out and said that he did not consider Striper to be a Christian rock band. And he said, we are four Christians in a band. And he has said that for quite some time. But people have, uh, you know, in general, they, people took offense to that, saying that that meant he was giving up his faith. And, um, and he, he wrote about it um, on Twitter. Um, he spoke about it. And, and you know, I, I completely see his point. And if anybody would listen to this album or just read the lyrics you can see that his faith is in his writing. There's no question. Um, what he was going, uh, what he was going against, was he didn't want to be labeled as, "Oh, you're a Christian artist, so you really, you're, you're not talented. You, you really can't do what we do." Um, where, you know, just because you're a Christian or non-Christian doesn't mean you can't play a solo just as good as somebody on the secular side. You know, that type of thing. Um, so I wanted to put that, just to put that out there, that. That anybody who thinks he's walked away from his faith, there's not. It's not even close when you look at what he's writing. No, not at all. And and if you could allow me to, all right, you're going to have to go with me here, Pastor. Uh, if I can connect <laughs> country music, worship music, a classic hymn, and Michael Sweet. Okay, there's okay. a lot to try to pull, pull together here. So George Strait has a song called "The Real Thing," and, and I love it. And he, he, he's talking about wanting the music to be real. And he's got this line. He says, I don't want you under my roof with your 86 proof watered down till it tastes like tea. You're going to pull my string, make it the real thing for me. Now, what I like about that, whiskey reference aside, is I want it real. Right. right? I don't want it saccharine. I don't want it cheap. I want it real. And. To be honest, some, and I'm not making a categorization to all, but some praise and worship music can be a little thin for me. It feels a little bit too happy, clappy. I, I'm, I, I don't want that. And when you think about a classic hymn, um, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Now, that's real. Right. Because we recognize we've got the good times, we've got the bad times. And here is a hymn writer who's saying, you know what, no matter what it is, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. There are the bad times, too. Sorrows like sea billows roll. But I'm going to trust in you. Bring that now over and against this song you just referenced, Better Part of Me. Part of me is searching for the holiness in thee. Part of me is reaching for the worldly things I see. Right. Fighting for the better part of me. That is honest. That is Paul, right? That's Paul who says, I see this different thing at work in my body, right? You know, part of me wants you, but I still feel the sinful tug and all this stuff. That's real. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you called that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and, you know, and I, I noticed the same thing even with his uh, Sweet and, and uh, Sweet and Lynch uh, writing. Um, you know, he, he did not miss a beat as far as what he's writing about. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, make any changes because he's with Lynch or with or with whoever. Um, his, his writing still has that uh, deep, 
that depthness to him, and I think it's a testimony to his faith that that he doesn't wear his faith on his sleeve, as he has said before, but it's definitely there. You know, you don't have to look far to see it. No, I, I think that's exactly right. In so many of these songs, uh, there may not even be a direct reference to, to God, certainly not to Jesus specifically. Uh, now, who is the, the the in this song? I'm searching for the holiness in thee. Well, we assume that you know, he's talking about God there. But right. it's fra phrased in such a way that even someone who isn't really sure whether they believe or what they believe, every right. single one of us has confronted this duality, right? this conflict within ourselves. We know there's a part of us that wants something better and something more and feels we're designed for something more. And we also recognize there's a part of us that goes for the lowest common denominator and, and the cheap pleasure. And, and we've, we've all experienced that. And somebody can listen to this song and go, man, this guy gets me. Yeah. And then if they want to go a little bit further, he'll be happy to tell them, well, who I'm talking about here is, is God. Who yeah. I'm talking about here is Jesus Christ. So I, I think it's a great way to uh you know to bring that to an audience that may not be sure what they believe about god right yeah exactly uh you know and i i've noticed you know my wife she uh she has her degree in secondary english education and uh so she's involved in literature a lot and she's been you know looking to write her own stuff her own poetry and that's kind of the the passion she has is that, you know, to, to, to write something that is um, discoverable, you know, that that on the surface people may not see you. Is, is she a Christian? Is she not? What What is this? But 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 when you start to look at the symbolism or what's being utilized, the creative approach um, is going to touch somebody and then they're going to realize, oh, she is talking about Jesus, you know. Right. It's, it's just an amazing concept. Um, so going back to the uh, to the tracks, I, I need to just shout these these guys out. So um, Michael did a did a tremendous job, and how he was able to get so much talent on one album, I'll never know. Um, but when you talk about Jeff Loomis of Arch Enemy, uh, Marzi Montezari, um, Howie Simon, um, Gus G of Firewind, Rich Ward of Fozzy, Ethan Brosh. Um, Joel Hoekstra, as we mentioned, of Whitesnake on two albums, Tracy Guns of L.A. Guns, and then um, Todd, La Todd Latour of Queensryche and Andy James on guitar for that track. Um, one of the ones I wanted to lead up to is With You Till the End, um, <laughs> yeah. featuring Mike Kerr and Ian Raposa from Firstborn. Um, now, there's somebody... Um, you know, we talked about Michael and Hoekstra. Uh, it'd be something to see Michael and Kerr do an album together. Because, um, you know, I know he's working for Striper now it's at some particular level uh, as far as in their management while he's also touring and writing with Firstborn. Um, but Mike Kerr, my goodness, incredible guitarist. And he's the one that I would say as a guitar player, um, you know, when uh, styles are changing and you're wondering, is there anybody that's doing the style I like or grew up with? He's he's our next. He's our yeah, he's able to do that. Um, so, what did you think about the track with Mike Kerr oh, and uh, Ian Raposa? Loved it. Lo loved it. A couple things to say about both those guys. Um, well, you mentioned about the two of them, the two Mikes doing a, an album together, and this is going to date me. And I'm sure you're going to get the reference. Uh, <laughs> all I can hear is this commercial on TV. Uh, Mike and Mike together again. Yes, on a two records set from KTEL. You know. <laughs> 
That sounds great. But, so I, um, I, can see the, I can see the album cover right now. Oh, so yeah. Michael two records, two Mike. cassettes, or two eight-track tapes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael and Mike, if you're listening now, we're giving you an idea here. You can do the uh, be, uh, the two mics or Mike and Mike, whichever one you want to choose would be fine with us. Yeah. No, uh, I, I commented um, in my review of the uh, the album that, you know, his guitar work, uh, there's just a drive and a passion to it. Um, and I, I think the track is one of the true standout uh, tracks of the whole album, um, just just because of his guitar playing alone. As for the um, uh, Ian going with uh, Michael on the vocals, uh, I'd made the observation. I said it makes or at least it made me think of the different but complementary vocal pairs that we've heard yeah. through the years. And the one that comes to my mind, because I'm most familiar, is David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes mm-hmm. in Deep Purple. And in in the in that lineup uh, of Purple, um, they only did uh, three albums together. and But they've been good friends uh, ever since. Their vocals, very different but they complemented each other. They worked together. Same thing on this track. I thought uh, Ian Raposa's vocals and Michael's uh, just worked really, really well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did. Um, I, I, I agree as well. Um, very similar to Latour in the last track. Although, I don't know, I, uh, Michael and Latour, that just really was, that was off the charts. Um, oh, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, but, you know, I really am hoping... Um, the firstborn continues because I really like what they're what they're doing. Um, um, you know, uh, I I would say that that the I agree with you that there that it definitely was complimentary. But I think that at first, listeners, myself included, I think it it kind of took me a little bit more time for that to grow that combination to grow on me than other vocalists. Um, when I first heard it, it kind of just took me by surprise. And it wasn't really challenging, but it just I was just kind of at first thinking, do they do they really match? But it's one of those the more you listen to it, it's you, you start to see I, I like the, the term you use there, complementary, how they're they're so different, but yet they do complement each other. Well, and you know, I you talk about Mike going back to the guitar piece of it, him being kind of the future of kind of what we want to see, what we want to see in metal. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if the world only just listened to us. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's all about what we want guys. So it really is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I like that Michael has done certainly on this album, but also in others is he pairs with guys that have been around Take your Joel Hoekstra, take your Tracy Guns. But then he also partners with guys and people that are up and coming. Think about the work he did with Mariah Fermica. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, this, uh, yeah. You know, fantastic uh, new talent coming up here. Um, and same thing um, with, with Mike here. So I, I think it's neat that he's not just reaching to his own kind of age group, his own, uh, the people that he came up through the ranks with, but he's also reaching out to some of the new people. Uh, he gives them opportunities and, um, it's, it's just cool. Yep. Great. Great. So, um, any final thoughts, uh, we're kind of, kind of coming down to the end here. Any final thoughts you might have, um, for anybody out there listening? Um, I don't know, whatever you want to say, some, maybe something on the lines of, um, the the biggest reason why somebody should download or purchase this CD. 
Uh, I, I think there's a couple of big reasons. One is if you are just looking for good metal, uh, then listen to it. I think it is a scorcher from top to bottom. It's worth your time. It's worth your money. And I emphasize money. Go out and buy the thing. Don't just listen to it on YouTube uh, or whatever. Uh, buy it uh, because the artists need the support. Uh, this is how they're making their, uh, their living. So uh, it's a scorcher. The other thing is for any people who think that the, the heyday of classic metal is gone, uh, you think that these guys aren't recording, you think they're not doing stuff, uh, or that they're not doing stuff that is exciting and fresh, think again with this album. Uh, they, Michael clearly shows that he and his friends have not only got the chops, but just like a nice wine, they've gotten better with age, and um, yeah, crank it to 11. Yeah. And uh, I think I shared with you on Twitter, you commented on it, this was back in September, I think it was, because, you know, every year my wife asked me, you know, what, what, give me some ideas for Christmas. Um, you know, we kind of try to keep things, <laughs> try to keep things surprising for each of us. And so I forwarded to her, you know, the, the, get the whole package, the autographed, uh, copy, everything with it, the guy, the guitar pick, which I did get, I do have that. I haven't played it. Of course, that's going to, not going to ever be played. Um, but, um, of course, you know, she said, okay, sounds good. And, and of course, I'm, this is like October and I'm, I'm waiting for it. And she said, well, you're going to have to wait till Christmas. And if I remember right, I think you were the one who responded when I put that out on Twitter. You said you thought that went against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so I shared it, I shared your response with her, but that didn't make any difference. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, but what happened though, it was something, you know, cause I'm, I'm like one of those that I have not um, outgrown my childhood when it comes to Christmas, you know, so that's, that's how I am. Um, but when I, when I opened it up, even though I heard most of the tracks already, cause he kept posting them, um, it, it was just an amazing time just seeing that, that, that I have this in my possession now. Physically, I can hold it, and I'm looking at all that this tremendous guitar work that you know has gotten tremendous reviews. Yes, but I would say that this album between now uh, between when it came out in September and now has not received the reviews it deserves. Um, I mean, it's gotten a lot of a lot of airplay and a lot of uh, tremendous comments and reviews um, by by customers. But man, to me, this should be up there, up up there with uh, the top album of the year, um, and not even on Christian's side. I'm talking all, all the whole side with with all of the effort and talent in this album. I think it's incredible. Oh, I, I totally agree. I agree with that on on every level. And you know, as they say, there's no disputing about taste. And you know, uh, taste is what it is uh, in terms of the, the majority of people who are buying music. But if you want something that is really interesting musically, uh, and I'm not even talking just lyrically, uh, mm. but interesting musically, um, that's what I'm always interested. In. I, I, I want to hear things that are that are new, that are fresh. I, I have to be honest. Um, my son, a couple of years ago, got me into uh, Twenty One Pilots. Now that's not really my style of music, but I liked it for the creativity what was going on there what the guys were doing with it and this is i agree with you it's just criminally under uh represented in the uh, reviews criminally unknown uh and i think just you know some people may have written off the genre as a whole uh, 
And, well, and look, that's always been the case, hasn't it? I mean, hasn't yeah. it been the case since yeah. since Deep Purple and Zeppelin and Sabbath? Uh, then as you moved on from there, uh, most of the times metal has been written off as the work of Neanderthals. Let's just be honest, uh, you know, a bunch yeah. of long-haired, uh, knuckle-dragging, um, uneducated uh, idiots. And that's just not the case. Uh, look at some of the lyrics. Now, sure, some of the lyrics are, are utterly juvenile. Mm-hmm. But a lot of lyrical content is solid, and a lot of the musical content is solid. These guys know how to play. These guys are influenced by lots of things, classical, blues, jazz, uh, and they're experimenting with their own. So if, I think if you're a serious musician who wants to uh, hear new, fresh, creative stuff, give this a listen. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you say creative, that's the one thing that you see with this album, um, the creativity that goes into it. Um, and as a guitarist myself, and I can't shred like these guys. I mean, I can play some, but I can't. Uh, these guys are on another level. Um, Joel Hoekstra is on another level with his creativity with his solos um, and Mike Kerr as we talked about um, you know and this is something from a guitar perspective the non-guitarist does not realize how much work goes into what they do because um, you're talking hours and years of practice and training to get the harmony just right um, to get the leads exactly the way that they need to be for each song I mean, they're just not just going in and winging it there. I mean, every song is distinct to them creatively. And these are our modern day uh, Mozarts or, you know, um, Absolutely. Beethoven's uh, with these guys and, and the ability they have to to create. And you can just tell these guys on this album, Michael at the top of it, of course, but all of them that are with him, they just creative and all throughout. And And I have to throw this out there. That one of the things that this album would not be, it would not be there if it wasn't for Michael. And you can hear his guitar playing throughout and also his incredible vocals that we have always um, appreciated. And it's almost like when we do a review of an album like this, it's like we don't even mention his vocals. We just kind of take that for granted because that's there. Um, But his vocals are outstanding. Um, he has not missed a beat since the 80s. I mean, what he can do now is incredible. My kids always uh, make a joke that he has that signature. It's all, They say we can always tell it's a Michael Sweet song because after the intro, there's this high-pitched, high-octane <laughs> scream at the beginning. <laughs> well, all right. You, you, you brought it up, and so we're going to have to say a word about it. Look, the vocals. Um, not everybody can... And, and look, it's, it's no fault. It's just what it is. It's human uh, development as we get older. Uh, not everybody can hold on to their voice. And I'm going to throw, the, throw out there four people for you. Um, David Coverdale, whose voice I have loved for decades. Right, right. It's still good to me, but there's, it's just clearly not what it was. Um, now, a lot of people really bash him. A lot of people saying, hey, he should hang it up with Whitesnake. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think their album that also came out last year, uh, Flesh and Blood, uh, he sounds really strong on it, um, but not quite there. I think Ian Gillen from Deep Purple has lost it. I saw Deep Purple a couple of years ago, and it was very hard for me. Uh, he, he does not have it. Completely gone. Completely gone. Okay. Two guys, to me, that still have it. 
Uh, and yes, I'm going to speak their names in the same breath. Robert Plant and Michael Sweet. Mm. Yeah. And no, Plant isn't going as high as he did with his Hey Hey Mama. And Michael is not hitting those glass shattering high <laughs> notes. But you know what? These guys, their, their, their voices have matured. They've come down in terms of range, what they can do. But they still got an amazing instrument, and they're both still doing a lot with it. Uh, I, I defy you to find as many folks or many folks from the '80s that could still really, and with power too. Michael supports his voice very, very well. Uh, again, he may not be shrieking, but he supports it well. And as you are a guitarist, you're hearing things on that side. I'm more of a vocalist. I was always a choir kid, and I could hear what he's doing vocally and know that he is supporting that voice so very well. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible um, at his age and how he's still able just to just to rock it out there uh, vocal-wise. So, uh, Steve, um, where can the listeners find that blog post of, of your written review of this album? Yeah, it's uh, on The Roman Rocker. Dot okay. blogspot.com the roman rocker dot blogspot.com and folks um you can also follow steve on twitter at uh, intoy 2014 that's correct okay at intoy 2014 and you can follow me at wildman wonders um on twitter as well um, be sure to check out 10. You can go to michaelsweet.com and uh, get get it in any format you desire. Um, you can get it. Apple Music has it. Spotify has it. But as Steve already pointed out, we want to support our musicians. So if you can, um, even if you do use Spotify or Apple Music, purchase the CD um, so you can support um, the uh, musician as well. So, hey, Steve, thank you for joining me. And uh, I guarantee you we will be doing this again. I guarantee you will hear from both of us soon. Um, and uh, who knows next time uh, maybe Steve and I will come out with an album and uh, we'll review that together <laughs> sounds good brother <laughs> alright thanks a lot folks everybody have a great day